Welcome to another episode of the Conversations with Des podcast series. I'm Des Blanchfield and I'm your host and thanks for joining us today. So today I have the pleasure of having once again my longtime digital friend and uh, more recently in real life friend, Kevin Jackson. Welcome to the show again, Kevin. Oh, thank you, Des. And, and I, I really enjoy that in real life thing. <laughs> it wasn't it fun. Now, Kevin, we, uh, today we're going to catch up and chat about um, uh, an organization called Agility and, and in particular a thing called Cloud Ascend that you've been developing for, I think it's like six or eight months. Um, yeah. So just a quick background on this. I understand that uh, your role in, in this whole thing, you're the director of cloud solutions at Agility Corp. You've been a technical fellow of Agility Corp for some time. Uh, could you just give us a quick intro into both Agility and your role uh, as, in a general sense uh, for a couple of minutes and just give us a quick heads up on what that means? Yeah, yeah, sure. Agility is actually a fairly young company. It was launched in 2012 and it was made up of leading businesses uh, within L3 government services. I actually joined the company through their merger with Task. Last year, Agility really enjoyed some pretty impressive wins, including a five-year, 369 million U.S. contract to support the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration's Next Generation Air Traffic Control Program, and 112 million U.S. for providing computational science service support to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Um, as a um, as a company, Agility has really been providing a lot of critical services and support to the U.S. Department of Defense, federal civilian agencies, and U.S. allied foreign governments over several several decades. In fact, the chief executive officer Lynn Dougal was formerly the vice president of Raytheon and uh, the president of the Raytheon Intelligence and Information Systems Business Unit. She's also a director for State Street Corporation and a member of the United States Defense Science Board. In fact, recently, she was named a Washington 100 list of most influential voices in government contracting. Wow, so, uh, I, I did notice a, that on their website. Um, so there's a, a pretty deep pedigree of, of, of capabilities and skills there. The, yeah. the, I mean, Agility as a whole has a fairly broad uh, reach of, of its capability from cybersecurity and data analytics all the way down to training and learning and a whole range of things in the middle. I mean, uh, you know, assuming that your focus is the cloud piece in particular, and, <laughs> and, and, uh, and I'm yeah. keen to learn uh, what the remit of that mm-hmm. is. Maybe just tell us a bit about that role as Director of Cloud Solutions. Yeah, so um, as you mentioned, you know, I'm a technical fellow, and my my project was actually to develop a methodology for helping agility customers transition to the cloud. Right. Um, so I started that about six months ago, and the corporation decided to to bring it to the broader marketplace. Um, I tell you, I, I now have the responsibility for educating our internal teams as well as current and prospective customers. It's really been an exciting and, and rapid six months from conception to market launch. This just goes to show how nimble a $2 billion company like Agility can be. 
Yeah, it's something we're learning a lot in the last three to five years. We've learned, you know, whether it's Angelity or IBM or some of the bigger firms around, they have had to be nimble, haven't they? Because they've had startups, yeah. startups nibbling at their heels on one side from, a, from a, I guess, a disruption and competitor point of view. But they've also had customers demanding a completely different and agile approach to solving very big problems. You, you mentioned before you're, you're launching this whole new offering, and I believe it's called Cloud Ascend. Can you maybe tell us a bit more about that? I mean, you've spent six-odd months developing and building it. I'm interested also to talk a bit more about how the, the separation between internally training and, and evangelizing versus externally training and evangelizing. But Cloud Ascend uh, as an idea and, and, and as a whole at the top level, what, what does Cloud Ascend as an offering and what's its reach? So, so really... Cloud Ascend has become the corporation's um, uh, approach for enterprise cloud architecture, migration, and optimization. And, and as a company, Agility is really focused on government agencies, highly regulated industries, and national security communities. So, so Cloud Ascend is really a consultative offering and it's a, it's a blend of state-of-the-art cloud planning and engineering tools, a proprietary methodology that I helped develop, and certified cloud experts that are used to not just migrate to the cloud, but to implement digital transformation across an enterprise. It, it really enables the design of scalable, secure, and resilient cloud and hybrid enterprise architectures. Right. So, yeah, so Cloud Ascend, it reduces the risk that you normally associate it with cloud migrations and operations. It, to me, it sounds like what you've done here is you've looked at the disparate pieces that we're seeing uh, often people trip up on. You know, when, when you see a lot of cloud adoption, it's very spiky, very pointy. It's, it's short, sharp things, and people talk about fail and fail fast. But invariably, we're seeing more fail and less fast. To mm-hmm. me, what, what it sounds like you've done here is taken that entire end-to-end journey, a full, not just 365-degree view, but the full end-to-end journey of uh, the initial consulting up front and delivering insights into some of the issues to mitigating the risk of transformation across to digital and cloud, uh, accelerating that process of migration, and then taking it to more of a managed service offering so that from the moment you get to in the door all the way out through the warehouse, that zero to hero journey, you, you take care of it, you handhold them through it, you hold them with a cultural behavioral shift. Is that right? Right. Absolutely. Because, you know, the people when or organizations, when uh, they are trying to migrate, the key challenge is they really don't know what they're doing, to be honest. Right. They don't know. They don't know what to do first. They don't know really why they're doing it. They just have some immediate or, or tactical issue they're trying to deal with. They don't know how to do it, and they don't know what success looks like. Yeah. So, so what I believe is the best medicine for addressing these things is real data. You have to you have to look at your applications and your business process, um, and understand characteristics and dependencies. You have to look at your organizational goals and your own organization's capabilities because 
your you know application developers need to develop applications differently when you go to the cloud. Yeah, you have to yeah. refactor down at code level, right? I think a lot of people thought yeah. that we could lift and shift and just take um, you know physical machines through the, the the physical to virtual and what we call P to V process and create a VM and then migrate that VM up into some public or, or hybrid cloud. But invariably, all you're doing then is just shifting the pain from on-premises to a data center or to a data <laughs> center to, you know, cloud, which, you know, and, and people say cloud, they sort of, you know, what is it? And I always laugh and on my slides, I put a picture of a rainbow-colored kitten, with, <laughs> you know, rainbow-colored kitten with butterfly wings and a unicorn horn because what is cloud, right? But it, it, it seems, you know, like I get the sense just looking at some of the material you'd sent me and, and hearing what you're saying that, you know, what when people say that, you know, you've said they don't know what success looks like. I mean, migration is not just a one by one thing, right? It needs to be the entire process from end to end. So you've got to understand the business as a whole and all the linkages and dependencies on how the parts of the business work together, how the suppliers and vendors work. And you've got to go down to that almost code base and refactor because just lifting and shifting only moves the pain. It doesn't solve the pain. And you know, it's hard to scale up if you're just moving one VM from on-premises on VMware up into the cloud and expect it to just transmogrify, which is a word to describe a process that happens <laughs> by magic, right? Um, right. And, and government agencies struggle with that because they just think, you know, they've gone through this outsourcing process and now it's someone else's paying for the commercials. And then they've had a managed service, so now they don't have to manage the service, that pain's gone away. But they thought the cloud was going to do that. Do you think it's fair to say that organizations haven't quite grasp that and, and so as a result there's a, a real need for what you're doing in both the cultural view of what cloud is and is not as well as the the adoption of cloud so how, how you know they're thinking about what cloud is and how they adopt it versus just the lift and shift right that's one of the things that you're really hammering on here is that people does don't understand what has happened in the past right there's lots of data derived from past cloud migration successes and failures and so you need to understand and leverage that as you look across your own yeah. portfolio of applications there's also a lot of data available or derived from cloud service provider operations you know, people think that one cloud service provider is the same as the other, and it's just a technical thing. But that's not true. You can have an infrastructure that's delivering from one cloud service provider a certain uh, capability or performance on one day, and the next day com be completely different. What yeah. type of variability do you have from cloud service providers? Will that affect your business or your mission processes? It's it's and and I think a lot of, you know companies understand their I mean, they they do their best to understand how their business functions, but they don't always understand the the underpinning technology. You know, when you think about traditional systems like a human resource platform or enterprise resource planning or you know HR ERP CRM, mm -hmm. you, you know, all these functional traditional systems people thought they could just you know lift and shift it but when you looked at the transition to cloud services like SaaS and salesforce and so forth um and when we went to webmail there were some big tripping points and i found a lot of people getting to the point where they got so frustrated and so desperate to get a move that they would just shortcut a whole bunch of things so they would shortcut their information security management processes they'd shortcut the mm -hmm. the approval process you know we, we've seen 
shadow IT become a thing because CIOs couldn't move fast enough to meet the, the, the company's demand. It wasn't, me, it wasn't that the CIO was failing. It was just the company was moving faster than culturally they'd engineered themselves to be able to. And, and ergo, the CFO has picked up the credit card and bought a cloud-based CRM. But what the CFO didn't know was by moving some data up there, it was in an island in the cloud and in a disparate place, and only they could see it. Now the rest of the organization couldn't see that performance data. Um, I, there's a there's a whole thread around um, data you've been talking to there and mentioned a couple of times. Um, when you think about the digital transformation process and you know, the, the phrase, the promise versus reality, how yeah. big a part does data play in this whole process? Not And, and look, it's not even just the, the funky, sexy, you know, machine learning, cognitive computing, but the underpinning data management, the master data management component from MDM all the way up through to you know, machine learning and, and cognitive computing, what's the journey of data look like? Is it, true to, is it fair to say that data plays a really critical part in moving to any platform, particularly the cloud? Well, what you're touching upon here is security, right? Yeah. Because security, as always, is the biggest concern when you're going to the cloud. And most organizations not only don't understand their data, but they haven't classified their data. And when you're going to the cloud, it's important to understand and classify your data so that you know what security controls you need to have in place in order to protect your information. Right. And and that's what's needed so that you can reliably evaluate what controls are available from the hundreds, if not thousands, of cloud service providers that are now on the market. One, one of the things, one of the organizations that's really helping in this is the Cloud Security Alliance. And they, they provide the um, CSA Security Trust and Assurance Registry, or STAR, where cloud service providers actually report on the controls that they have in place right so you so you as an organization if you understand your data can pick the right controls and the right cloud service provider as an aside the csa has recently announced that the star program now allows type one SOC 2 attestations now this examines a service organization's internal controls relating to the, the trust service principles and criteria. Right. So by leveraging the, the SOC 2 and the uh, Cloud Security Alliance cloud control matrix, you can really understand how to protect your information in the cloud. Well, there's a big jump between, and I think when when we traditionally designed things 20, 30 years ago, we still had this mentality that was in our computer rooms behind our firewalls, as it were. Mm -hmm. And there was a point at where, you know, self-assessment within reason was enough assurance for the business. And then uh, eventually we got the point where we might have outsourced some things and we put them into other data centers. So we still ran our own stuff. It was, we still touched the machines, but it was in someone else's data center because we just had too much stuff and we couldn't build our own computer rooms large enough for the power. But you, you then got to that point where you had to get some third party uh, assessment certification on that environment you know does it meet the same security physical aspects or logical aspects as it did when it was in our our offices and now i think with cloud 
um, the, the, the whole um, CSA star model sort of comes into play, I think, with their open certification framework. Because from memory, I think that the final tier there is like this continuous monitoring uh, yes. certification model, right? Where, okay, we used to just sort of self-assess every now and then, like we did with ISO 9000 and ISO 27001 for quality or, or security. Uh, then we went to third parties, but they were more regulatory, you know, quarterly or six-monthly or annual checkup uh, in the same way we'd go to a GP to see if we were healthy. Now I think it's this transition to the, the certification process from an external point of view says, well, it's not that we don't believe you, we don't trust you, but we want this ongoing uh, framework of, of continuous monitoring as part of your, your transition to cloud because we don't want to have to trust you. We don't want to need to trust right. you because it's not that we don't trust you, but we want systems that will tell us, are you are you compliant? Are you secure? Are you up? Are you available? Uh, you know, all these types yeah. of things. How, 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 right, does cloud so ascend, where does, how does Cloud Ascend sort of address that kind of challenge? Uh, where does it fall into that scope? Does it start so right at the front thing, or at the back? So it actually, at the very front, you can look at the self-attestation of a cloud service provider. You can look at what they say about how they provide these controls. But what the CSA has done recently is they are making APIs available from the uh, STAR registry right. so that you can use these APIs to continually monitor the, the status of controls from a cloud service provider. So within Cloud Ascend, we actually link to the CSA STAR registry via the STAR Watch um, software as a service offering from CSA. Okay. Um, I wonder, uh, you know, we could have another whole conversation about the, the availability and the access to that stuff. Um, mm -hmm. do, do organizations you're already talking to understand the, uh, I guess, you know, if we were going to look at the role, I mean, we've seen a lot of companies try different approaches to cloud migration. We've seen a lot of companies try the whole digital transformation. Some people are doing it internally and disrupting themselves. Some believe they've got a big enough IT shop to do it. Others are doing shadow IT. Um, if you were going to call out the the top two or three challenges that organizations that you're already working with are having and, and where you're going to be able to assist them now with the, the agility approach around um, not just your role as the, the director of cloud solutions and the team that I imagine are, are behind you, but specifically Cloud Ascend. So um, what are the top two or three pain points you think that, that people are being swamped with or, or, or hurt with now that you could quickly get in there and say, we've got an answer to that and here's an example we've, we've already done before. Yeah. So a couple of things is that not, migration is not just about cloud computing, right? Organizations must accept that everything may not go into the cloud. Right. Hi, a hybrid IT where traditional data centers manage hosting services and cloud services all play together is the real target. And, and organizations today, many of them rely on PowerPoint and Excel and, and Word to plan and manage their cloud migration efforts. Would you use PowerPoint to design your car or, or build your house? Wouldn't a computer-aided design platform give you a little more peace of mind right well, so yeah, exactly. so that's yeah yeah so that's how we've come uh to cloud ascend because it was developed 
in view with a view of the larger picture, right? This is engineered digital yeah. transformation and governance. It combines state-of-the-art commercial cloud tools with our methodology to analyze existing systems for suitability in cloud migration. We, we migrate and operate with automated optimization to ensure mission, performance, and, and business success. That's probably that's, the, we, that's yeah. probably the key takeaway, isn't it? I mean, uh, uh, sorry to jump in, but I think one yeah. of the things we 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 get so obsessed with the new toys, it's like we're in a sugar high and a sugar rush for all these great new things. But we all too often forget that the whole point of this is to add value back to the business and to ensure the success of the business. Right? I remember right. A, a very large migration I did for for one of the largest publishing companies in the world. They run everything from book and magazine publishing to newspapers, TV. They even have a financial platform uh, as a a stock exchange. And there's like 78 business units across all of this organization, a couple hundred thousand staff. When we got into each of the organizations, we found that, as you said, they were using spreadsheets to manage some things. I mean, you know, some were very up-to-date and they had configuration management databases. Others had really rigid ITIL processes they were following. But at the other end of the spectrum, some had moved so fast and so quickly that we were going to project managers and saying, could we please have a list of the spreadsheets you've got? And can we get the spreadsheets that list all the assets mm-hmm. for routers, switches, servers, storage, compute, network? Uh, and can we have a list of the, the service groups and the services and the systems that support those? And then have you got any idea who the service group owners are and the, the service owners <laughs> right. are? Right. You know, right. because w- there wasn't one place to go and say, here's a list of everything we do and here's a list of everything we need. And so we had to build systems. We had to build tools to collect that and, 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 and clean that data up and then validate it and say, are all these servers actually in place? Are we going to migrate something to the cloud that doesn't physically exist anymore because it's been sunset or, or, or it's it's been allowed to die or, or it's just come out of my out of a, a you know a lease or financial yeah. model or it's out of maintenance or is is it even physically there does someone just not take it off the asset register and then all of a sudden you find you spent three months planning around moving a service that actually is no longer there and i imagine that yeah. that risk mitigation piece becomes very very um important very early on if if we were going to talk about um the the general challenges of any cloud migration um where you know if you're talking well let's do it in two parts Firstly, from a business point of view, if you walk into a room and you're about to explain in short form what a cloud migration looks like, how do you do it at business level first? And then I'll, and I'll hit you with another question around the technology stack. But if, I, if you're coming to me and you're selling me this proposition, we're going to help you with the cloud migration. Mm-hmm. What do I need as an organization or as a customer to be thinking about from day one? What are the, the big punchlines? Yeah. Well, the, the first thing is from lessons learned, is this is not a one-by-one process. You need to look at your entire portfolio and your entire business omission requirements. So we actually have, uh, by partnering with IBM, a cloud screener module that quantitatively evaluates the organization's portfolio of business omission applications to look at the benefits and technical readiness to migrate to the cloud. Okay. Now, 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 and after that, you want to you want to architect your solutions. You want to you want to model. You want to design. You want to benchmark different cloud service providers. Sort of do an analysis of alternatives, because it's not just 
you know, deciding you're going to go to AWS because it's the biggest, you know, company on the planet or go to Microsoft Azure just because you use Word. You want to you want to optimize the application's cloud infrastructure and understand that you may have multiple cloud service providers. Right. Um, yeah. And, and then, as we said before, you need to understand the um, security controls. You need to understand your data and the security controls that the cloud service provider needs to have in place to protect your valuable assets. So those, that's sort yeah. of the uh, no, uh, three steps you have to go through. And and they're all key, you know great takeaways. I, I think a lot of um, a lot of the senior management that I deal with when I I try and speak to them in plain English about it, I say to them, don't think about completely reinventing your technology stack per se. It's the approach that you need to change. It's how do you consume this stuff as a service when you buy a dedicated server and put it in the back room. But if you now think about how would you consume that in the same way you consume a glass of water, what does it look like? Because when you buy, when you get a glass of water, you haven't gone to uh, 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 dig a, a massive hole and fill it with water. You haven't had to build a dam. You haven't had to manufacture concrete. You haven't put the piping in place. You didn't put the right. the, the, the the storage in the building. You haven't had to put the taps in place. You haven't had to put the filters and the washers on the taps. And you didn't make the glass. You just went to the cupboard and got a glass and you filled it with water. And invariably, you're paying such a, a low utility price on that water that you almost don't notice it. And yet, the, the, it's such a critical thing of having water that if we don't drink it, we die. And so when I say that, they look and go, hmm, we'd never really thought about business services like that or technology like that. From a technical aspect, so if we think about um, companies talking to you at a business level, so you know, what are our processes and procedures and policies and what's our governance framework look like? I think that language in many ways is less scary to people because they understand it and it's it's not a technical challenge. It's just a different way of thinking about how they do business. But what's your take on the second part of the, this whole thing where, okay, now the business has sponsored you into their organization, said you have you know, unfettered access to our organization to help us get to the cloud per se. Um, right. what, what, is it, what is the experience like when you go in there and try and explain it in tactical terms now? sometimes in, in behind closed doors with the CIO or in open doors and in, in stand-up uh, uh, scrum meetings. What's the technical challenge like that you've seen uh, and what do you see it looking like? Do you think it's going to get easier or harder going into organizations and saying you're now in the business to disrupt, you are going to look at adopting. It isn't just a lift and a shifter of a VM out to a public cloud. It might be a case of not even just refactoring the code, but looking at the business logic and actually rewriting the stuff. So, you know, it's very hard to go from a mainframe COBOL-based database platform to put it out in the cloud because until recently, even IBM didn't offer cloud as a service. Right. Um, if you've written something in C++ on, on, a, on a .NET or even C Sharp on a .NET Windows platform, does it make sense to move that business logic out into the cloud in its current form? Or should you get the team back or a new team to refactor that and re-engineer it and say, these are the business processes we need, here's the business logic, but we can recode that. And then, you know, how do you look at things like containerization and Docker and Kubernetes? How do you look at the whole, you know, zero server-free or serverless computing that's becoming a big thing? What, how do you even approach that technical discussion uh, without <laughs> frightening them so much they want to jump out the window? Well, that's really the hardest part because it's not about technology. <laughs> right. So, you know, it's 
the, the hardest thing is to say, look, going to the cloud is primarily about your business omission process. Yeah. Then, then next is your economic model. What economic model are you trying to implement to support your, your business or mission process? Third is a technology service. What technology services do you need to implement that business model and that economic model? Because the technology itself is abstracted from the user. Right. So the so the technologist has to wean themselves away from being wedded to specific technologies. They got to be a technology service manager. They got to evaluate technology services. Now, I'm not saying you don't need to understand the technology. I'm not saying you don't need to know the technology. What I'm saying is that you look at technology from the point of view of what services it's delivering yep. and you compare technology service to technology service, not technology to technology. It's almost a case of um, measure the value uh, rather yeah. than the, out, the out, outcome. You know, I've seen a lot of companies transition to a cloud platform only to find that they moved 100,000 seats but only actually needed 2,000 seats because everybody had one one account prior but now they don't need it because it's just something they consume you've got a number of pieces in this whole puzzle and and you mentioned the ibm brokerage piece around system assessment and 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 application assessment to just Mm -hmm. measure the 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 benefits and readiness of of sort of that cloud positioning or cloud assessment you mentioned csa starwatch around managing compliance and all the security standards and requirements and i imagine that reaches into regulatory requirements I remember there being two other pieces that I'd like to cover briefly before we wrap up soon. And there was one, mm-hmm. I think, um, Burst Storm. Uh, and I, I remember is it uh, Sequoia Combine, which I think um, is more of a developer-focused yeah. thing. Tell us about Burst Storm and, and, and Sequoia Combine. Where do they fit into the puzzle? So Burst Storm is really a cloud architecture engineering platform. It's used to model, design, and benchmark and optimize the cloud infrastructure, it's it's connected live via API to over 800 cloud service providers and literally tens of thousands of technology services. Right. And with and within the platform, it actually shows gives you an ability to look at the attributes of the different technology services. So you can compare service A to service B and avoid vendor lock-in based upon the technology and look at equality or equivalency of services and, and look at not just performance, but price performance. Yeah. So you can get the best value. That's what Burstorm does. And, and Sequoia Combine, that's sort of a, a, um, a niche of focus capability for agencies that are targeting the U.S. intelligence community information technology environment. Uh, this is an unclassified emulator of what's called C2S um, that's paired with the IBM brokerage operations module in order to exercise and confirm 
application deployment, operations, and your security control details. Right. So, so in Combine, your operational and security test plans can be rehearsed to ensure that they will meet the highest levels of security requirements within the United States intelligence community. This right. can also be used for, um, you know, highly, this methodology can also be used for other highly regulated um, organizations. The, the, there's a, a strong focus here on, on, on the government space because it's a very big market. Um, mm-hmm. Is it fair to say that that's, that's I guess, a low-hanging fruit in many ways to target, or, or is it more the case that the DNA of Angelity is, is, has stemmed from that? Or what are the key drivers around focusing on, on government and government agencies uh, per se versus maybe just the broader enterprise market or, or even the startups? Um, where does that delineation come about as far as Angelity goes and specifically in, in the Cloud Ascend focus? So, I mean, I was just on the internet the other day and there was a company that has a, you know, do-it-yourself cloud migration portal, okay? Right. Now, it, you know, it's how many mailboxes you want to migrate from, from maybe your Outlook into Google. Those are, those are very, actually, low-level activities. Yeah. We're targeting large enterprises that have tens of thousands of um, users, multiple types of data types, customized applications. A lot of them may be legacy, and they're, and, and they're trying to get away from this heavily capital-intensive build-it-your-own IT tradition yeah uh, and 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 so they need to understand all these intricacies the linkages the dependencies um, and and that's what we're, we're targeted and the US federal government with the, the cloud first mandate and a lot of the economic pressures is really trying to accelerate their transition to cloud computing there's it's a very broad region uh, you're absolutely right i think there, there's so many diys but um you know i would never sit down and try and build a car and, and as you highlighted you know if you're going to build a car you wouldn't do it in powerpoint you do it in a cat engine and yeah. and i think that that you know we're seeing a lot of data breaches we're seeing a lot of uh, hacking incidents and some pretty scary ones uh, all the way up to the sort of you know one and a half billion people out of yahoo recently and i think a lot of that risk comes about because people haven't gotten the right people to do the right job. I love the quote where someone once said, oh, you know, it's so expensive to get an expert in and do this work. And someone replied and said, well, wait till you see how expensive it is to clean up if you don't get an expert to do it, right? Um, and it really meant that, you know, if you get someone in to do it cheaply and easily, well, yes, you might get a cheap and easy, fast outcome, but the technical debt you incur or the cleanup afterwards when it isn't, isn't done right, you're going to redo it, is just frightening. Um, yeah. I'm interested to get a view. So, you know, it's been a great uh, conversation around agility and specifically the, 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 the Cloud Ascend offering. Tell me, uh, I'd like to focus on you briefly um, uh, before we wrap up. Um, mm-hmm. you've, you're, you're across a lot of things currently. You've done some amazing stuff. You know, you've got a great book out. You, you're you're uh, speaking at a lot of events. You're doing a lot of thought leadership in digital. 
Uh, this is an amazing thing you produced in the last six months, and, and, and I, you know, just reading through the material you sent me, I was just astounded by what you produced in six months. So that's the last six months. But if we were to look at the next six to 12 months, uh, as far as Kevin Jackson goes, what's on, the horizon? <laughs> what's on the horizon for you? Where are you in three to six months? What's happening in a year's time as far as you? Where are you what are you doing? What are you up to? And, and what are some of the interesting things that you might be able to share around that space? Well, thanks for your interest. But um, so the first week in June, I'm actually going to be in San Antonio, Texas at the uh, GeoInt Symposium. And this is going to be the official launch of Cloud Ascend. But uh, the, that event is really sandwiched between uh, two course deliveries. As, as you know, I teach the uh, certified uh, cloud security professional course for ISC Squared. So I'll be in Madrid, Spain, uh, wow. teaching a course. Um, yeah, that's that's going to be for Airbus um, uh, Space Division. Right. And then then afterwards, I'll be out in San Francisco, California, teaching another course. Um, now, in the in the July time frame, uh, this is something that that actually just recently happened on, on Friday. I'll be doing regular blog posts on cybersecurity for Verizon. Fantastic. Um, so uh, I, you know, I'm sure you've, you've read Verizon does this annual report on cybersecurity. Yeah, I just um, read the so, latest uh, 2017 edition. It was just, it's a tome. It's quite a heady read. Yeah, so I'll be uh, collaborating with them and, and, and doing some uh, content and then if that wasn't enough, uh, I know you know Guy Schoen of Explaining the Market. I do indeed. So, uh, so, so he and I are kind of exploring a, a new project together. And uh, I think the most important thing is that I want to do more podcasts with you, Des. Uh, you're too kind. I, I, love, to, I love catching <laughs> up with you. And, and the interesting thing is that, you know, um, the, so the whole fireside chat format often you know it might wander around a bit where we get some great insights from it look i you know you've got an exciting three to six uh months coming up just in in the current engagements you've got and obviously this particular uh product um but you know if anyone's following you uh via linkedin and twitter uh they've got a general sense that you're you're you don't sleep i don't think you're you're a machine <laughs> um so there's going to be an exciting year ahead of you and uh, I can only imagine where you're going. I hope I get a postcard from Spain when you get there. So we are definitely yeah, going to do more shows. And in fact, uh, I'm going to put it out there now that we'll probably do at least one a month, if not two, around some of the upcoming themes. Uh, and I'm very interested to, to learn more. Uh, and we should probably have a chat about that separately in another show around what you're doing with Guy and get him on the air as well. Um, but uh, look, it's been a fantastic chat around what you're doing with Agility. You. It's been fantastic to learn more about Cloud Ascend. Uh, and congratulations on, on the, the fellowship uh, within Agility and uh, the, the role as director of Cloud Solutions there. And uh, I really can't wait to see how this thing goes to the market. And uh, I suspect we need to have a chat about how to bring it to Australia. Um, but, Absolutely. Uh, Kevin Jackson, always a pleasure. Great to have you in the studio again. And uh, thanks so much for making time to chat with us. And uh, I will look forward to doing it again soon with you. Thank you very much, Des. Me too. Always a pleasure. Cheers.